Come on, you excited? We get to get into the Word of God. We get to see Him move. I'm excited because God has told me I get to talk a lot about Jesus this morning. If you want, you got your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to be looking at, looking at the Word, looking at the Word, looking at learning about the necessity of Scripture. We've talked about the authority of Scripture, the reliability of Scripture, and today we're going to look at the necessity of Scripture. Do we really need the Bible, and why do we need the Bible? What do we need to think about the Bible? How does the Bible fit into our lives, and is the Bible outdated? What does it mean to us? How, do, how, how is it significant to us? And I want to challenge you this morning as we have worshiped and as, as we have met God. I, I've met God here this morning. I've felt his presence. I've seen him move. And what I want to do is I just want to continue that in a spirit of prayer that God would come through the word, that it would not go out and return void, that it would make differences here this morning in your life and in my life, and that it would, it would reap a harvest this morning in your soul. Even if you're a believer, that the word would go out and that it would grow you and it would teach you and it would mold you and it would shape you and that you would leave here today more powerful and more focused on Jesus Christ so that you can make a bigger difference out there. You see, that's what happens. That's how we make a difference is when the word goes out from us, servants of the Most High. So as we start down this road in 2 Timothy chapter 1, we'll start in verse 8. Before we do, let me pray and I ask that, that God would come and he would send his spirit, that he would bless us and open up our eyes. And a lot of you are sitting right now and you're getting tired. You're getting sleepy already and I ain't even started. But this morning, I would ask that you get on the edge of your seat and you look and you give you give glory and you give understanding, you give uh, uh, an open ear, you give attention to Jesus Christ and the work that he's doing. Would you say this in your heart, God, please tear down the walls that I've built. God, please soften my heart. God, please open my eyes. God, please open my ears. Help me to be motivated to be receiving of this word that goes out this morning. Let's do that in a spirit of prayer. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for my brothers and my sisters here. God, I pray over them that the Holy Spirit would come, that he would open ears, that he would open eyes, that he would soften hard hearts, that he would take out cold, dead hearts, and he would replace them with new hearts. God, I pray that he would revive us even more so than we are already revived. I pray that he would show us your face and your glory and your excellence so that we would be more excited, that we would be more alive, that we would be more into the scriptures, that we would be more alive than we've ever been before so that we might spill out life onto everyone around us by spilling you, Jesus, come and move as much as you possibly will. God, we pray and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ on everyone under the sound of my voice, including myself, that you would open up our eyes, that you would help us to see more clearly, God. Wipe away, wipe away the film. Wipe away that that hinders us from seeing and knowing the truth and come in like a rushing wind, like a mighty storm, and change us. Reveal yourself to us more so. Open our eyes. Please, God, open our eyes. We pray it in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You guys ready to get started? Come on. I tell you, after that kind of worship, I should hear you. You ready to hear about Jesus? Yeah, I'm excited too. Let's get into the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 8. I want you to listen as I read. And we're talking about the Word of God this morning. We're talking about Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Matter of fact, um, I, he probably doesn't have time to do this, but I'm going to step back just a little bit because I need you to give a little bit of context to this verse. 
Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Let me step back one verse and show you the therefore, okay? He's talking to Timothy here, and he tells Timothy, he says, keep going in the direction that you're going. Keep believing the thing. Hey, man, you're good. All right, I hear you. One more back. How about that? Keep going in the direction that you're going. Keep Keep going in the way that we know that God is using you. God has spoken into your life. God is doing a work in you. You need to keep fanning this baby. You need to keep growing. You need to keep getting bigger. You need to keep getting stronger. You need to keep breaking chains. You need to keep going out. How many of you are tired of being held down every single day of your life? Every time you want to come up, you get pushed back down. Every time you want to come out, you get knocked back in. Every time you think that you've got a handle up, it knocks you back down. How many of you are sick and tired of that? I am. I'm tired of living a life of, of chains. I'm tired of living a life of slavery. And a lot of people say, you need to quit talking about hope. I don't need to quit talking about hope. I need to start talking about Jesus. Jesus Christ sets you free. Jesus Christ sets you on a track that you cannot be stopped. And though waters come, floods come, rains come, as long as you're pressing into Jesus, it cannot have an effect on you. How many of you would love that even when the storm hits, you're okay? How many of you feel right now as if a storm is crashing in and you don't feel like you're okay? The bottom line is, is that if you're in that position, then either you're not a Christian or you're not understanding grace and the sufficiency of Christ in a correct way. He has set you free. He has set you free from sin and death if you know him, if you know him. Listen to what, what Paul tells Timothy in verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So Paul looks at Timothy and says, you need to quit being beat down because he didn't give you that kind of spirit. You've not been born into that word. You've not been born in weakness. You've not been born in utter confusion. You've been born into power. You've been born into significance. You've been born, not because of anything that you've done. We'll get into that. Not because of your works. Not because you're a good person. Praise God. Isn't that good news? It's not based on how good you are, but of the one who has brought you into the family. It's his righteousness. He says, continue. Fan into the flame. Fan into the flame the gift of God, which is power, love, and self-control. Now, that was free. No extra charge. Let's get into our verses. You guys ready? I'm excited this morning. I'm excited this morning. Now, uh, verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. How do you suffer? By the power of God. Who saved us and called us. He saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and his own grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. That's why I suffer. But I am not ashamed, for I know, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until the day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. 
in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Guard it. Let's go back and break these scriptures down because in these scriptures there are a whole lot of truths. But I, what I want to do for you today is I want to point out four truths of the Word of God that if you will listen today and if you take notes, take notes. These four truths, when implemented into your life, it will set you free from that overwhelming sense of slavery that you keep on falling back into. Remember, if you are feeling as if you're a slave to sin, then there's either one or two things going on. Either you are a slave to sin and you are not a child of God, or you are not understanding and living in the freedom that Jesus Christ offers. And what I'm not preaching is a help and wealth thing that I say, well, if you'll just believe enough, all your dreams and all of your money will roll right in. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that if you know Jesus Christ, and if you've been born into the family of Jesus Christ, and if you understand your position in reality now, which is a child of the king, an heir to the throne, even when tough times come, and they will come, the book of James tells us, consider it all joy when trials and tribulations come. It doesn't say if, it says when. What I'm saying is not that if you believe you'll get out, but what I'm saying is if you believe and you're a child of God and you receive power that overwhelms any trouble, any trial, any tribulation, and when they come, you stand strong by the power of God, and when everybody else looks, it says, oh my God, God is with him. Because there's no way that he could have stood like that. There's no way that she could have stood like that without some type of intervening force, namely Jesus Christ. It is not that he gets us out of things. It is that he helps us stand up under them. And in doing so, in your weakness, he is made strong. Let's break it down. Let's look at verse 8. The first truth about God's word is that the word of God is real. The word of God is real. You see, the whale has really taken off. Okay, We're, we've only been meeting since January. And every week we grow a little bit. We go back and forth, but we grow a little bit. We're growing in our partners. We're growing in our visitors. And it's not just about the number, but we're growing deeper in our worship. I feel God's presence here more and more each Sunday. I hear the word of God going forth. I see people talking. I see people inviting. I see people being changed. We have a bucket group of our house, and I see people coming to my house and who are just hungry for the word we can't get through a lesson because they keep asking I mean deep theological questions and we talk sometimes for hours and it's not my fault I know I won't shut up sometimes but I tell them when 8 30 when 9 o'clock when when it rolls around I say look y'all quit asking questions we'll go home but they won't shut up either God's moving so we see God going deeper we see people hungry for the truth are you hungry for the truth you see, and I think one of the things about why the well has exploded as it has, and somebody say amen, amen. I think one of the things is, is that, that you're real. You're real. You're real. We, we, we are actually living in a place that we say, look, none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. That's why we're here is so that we can see Jesus, so that he can show up, so that he can show out. We know we're not perfect, and I see people in this crowd that, that are coming to church that 
I never would in a million years thought that they would be here. And I most certainly, certainly never thought that I would be here proclaiming the word of God like I am. You guys are real. And I love it. Listen to the text. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. You see, what he's saying is, is that don't be ashamed. Don't turn away about the testimony of our Lord. You see, all the Jews had had this understanding that, that when, when the Messiah came, that he would come in power, that he would come in glory, that he would come in, in, this, in this bold form, and he would come and he would, he would kill the Roman Empire in a physical way. He would take Israel, and he would set up their dominance, and that they would rule and reign from that point forward, and that their slavery would be ended. So you can, you, can, you can know the temptation to fall away and be ashamed when Jesus Christ was murdered on a cross, naked and humble, beaten, within an inch of his life, not even recognizable, spit on. And so what Paul is saying, don't you be ashamed. Don't you be ashamed at the way Jesus came. Don't you be ashamed of weakness. And I say to you, don't you be ashamed of your weakness. Don't you be ashamed at your dirt. Don't you be ashamed at what you've done in your life. Yeah, you can look back on it. You ain't got to be pleased with it. You're not, you don't have to be proud of it, but you recognize that Jesus Christ has taken that and he's relieved you of that shame. He's relieved you of that debt. He's relieved you of that sin. And now you're seated in the heavenly places with God. Amen? It's not about your shame anymore because Paul says, in my weakness, he is made strong. We don't go around boasting in the things that we do in our sins, but we confess and lay them over to God. We certainly don't turn away from the cross because of the shame, but we turn to Jesus because of his righteousness and his glory. Paul looks at Timothy and says, don't you be ashamed. This is how it happened. This is real. He talks about being ashamed of him as well. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Nor of me, his prisoner. You see, the fact of the matter is, is that Paul was in prison continually. So you see, Timothy's ultimate leader, Jesus Christ, had been brutally beaten and murdered on a cross in the uttermost humility. And then the shepherd that Jesus Christ had put over Timothy was beaten, flogged, shipwrecked, looking like, looking like who knows what, in prison continually. He's writing to prison, I mean, writing to Timothy out of prison. And Paul is saying, look, don't be ashamed. You don't have to put on a show. You ain't got to look good. You see, Paul knew it didn't matter what his circumstance was, where he was, what he was doing, what was going on, he can make an impact. He could make a difference, not because he was that good, but because he knew the one. He knew the one that could make a difference. You see, it's not you anyway. If you get to thinking that it's you, then you failed. If you get to thinking that it's you, you'll never make a difference. If you'll get to thinking that it's because of you and your righteousness or your smarts or your looks or your coolness or whatever else, then you fail because Jesus plus equals death. It's Jesus and Jesus only. You see, not only did Paul understand that it didn't matter where he was, but he intentionally, he intentionally used his current situation in order to proclaim the gospel. 
Do you remember when Paul was in prison and it was the Philippian jailer and he's talking to the guy and he's like, man, I got me a cane. He can't even get anywhere. Paul's in prison, but the guy's got to watch him. The guy's got to be there. He's a guard at the prison. So Paul's singing, singing hymns. He's, he's talking to the guy about Jesus. He's, he's, he's preaching the gospel. Don't you see? Christianity is the only thing that offers this. Christianity is the only thing that offers this. What other religion? Every other religion says this is what you got to do, this, 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 and this in order to get to God. You've got to do all these things. Thank you, John. You've got to do all these things in order to win the approval of God. God is the only one. Christianity is the only one that says God knew you couldn't do it, and even though you were weak, despite your weakness, despite your shame, he came back, paid the ultimate price to have you back. And not only that, but that he makes himself look good in your weakness. Isn't that good news? That's amazing that you can now say, whew, I don't got to be perfect. How many of you find yourself, for whatever reason, trying to put on this show? Continually, I know I do it. You know, I know I read this stuff, and I know this stuff, but, you know, I find myself, I catch myself out somewhere, and, and I'll be doing something, and, you know, that good right there. I'll, I'll see somebody, like, how you doing? <laughs> you ever done that? You know? Hey, yeah, I just got back from the gym. <laughs> you ever done that? We always feel like we have to put on a show. And Paul's sitting here saying, he's like, Timothy, look, brother. This is how God did it. Don't be ashamed. You proclaim Jesus Christ on the cross. They say you're crazy. They say you're crazy. You, you, you follow the words that I've preached, not because they're mine, but because they're God's. These are not the words of man, but the words of God. Don't you be ashamed. And I say to you, don't you be ashamed. Don't feel like you've got to put on a show. You be who you are. Now, you follow Christ, and you get into the Word, and you be changed. Don't stay the same. But don't you be ashamed of who you are. You come as you are. You come as you are. And I guarantee, as you trust Christ, as you press into Christ, as you love Christ, as you get into the Word, as you read, as you are molded, and as you are turned, and as you are shown the truth of God and the glory of Jesus Christ, you won't leave the same. You come as you are, and you leave that up to God. I put a little, God hit me with this yesterday, I put this on Facebook. Oh, and by the way, um, those of you who are on Facebook, I know we put that up here, but, but until we say it, we don't. We have a Facebook page, it's the Well Landrum. And so if you Facebook, go on there and like that page, and it's not just so we can get likes, but we do a lot of information over those things, and we, do, we give a lot of um, uh, announcements and a lot of good little words and things like that. So go on there and like the Facebook page of the Well Landrum. You'll get a lot of good information on there. But uh, the Lord hit me yesterday, and I, and, I, and I was just thinking, you know, rules proclaimed, rules that are put out there, rules and, and things that are proclaimed that aren't in Scripture, you know what that comes from? You know what the fact when somebody says, well, you've got to look this way, dress this way, talk this way, you know what that is? That's not in Scripture. That's not in Scripture. What that is is it's fear. It's distrust. It's someone saying, God, I just thought you should have had something in here about preaching in jeans. 
I mean, look at that guy. And he said, can he say that? If God weren't in there, he'll, and it's not just that. It's not just that. If I was critical of every person that preached in a suit or wore a suit, then he would say, who do you think you are? If God wanted any of it in there, he would have put it in there. We've got to trust God to do what God does. But in order for God to work in your life, you've got to get into the Bible. You've got to get into the Word. You've got to see it. You've got to be moved by it. You've got to build up the Spirit, fan into the flame the gift that is within you. The Word of God is real. It's real. And it hits you right where you need to be hit. That's one of, if I'd have had time last week, the reliability of Scripture, that's one of them is that it speaks into your life. And it doesn't just let you walk across the board. It doesn't just let you walk through life without ever challenging you. You know how I know my wife and I really love each other? It's because we argue. You see, if we didn't, if I didn't care, I'd say, you do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. But she really loves me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Sorry, babe. I, that was just to make people laugh. you the Bible is real and it'll call you it'll call you does it call you when you get into the word does it call you it calls you doesn't it It calls you down and maybe it's not because the word is wrong maybe it's because you wrong which is what I oftentimes find with my wife and I that I'm wrong amen number two the word of God is effective the Word of God is not only real. It's not only real. You see, we got to quit putting on the show. We're not about the show. And I know we keep trying to ease into the show, ease into the show, ease into the show. But we're pushing back, baby. We don't want to put on a show. We want to be real. We want to see people walk in the door that they walk in here because these people aren't lying, because these people are real. They show their faults. They show their failures because they want to learn from it. They want to grow. And we can't grow if we're lying all the time. Amen? But not only is the Word of God real, but the Word of God is effective. It's effective. Let me show you. And I would contend that realness is the only effectiveness. The fakeness will fail and fade away. That junk's got to go. Verse 9. Well, let's back up a little because it's... It's in the middle of a sentence. But share in suffering. I wish I had more time because I'll tell you the suffering part of it. One day we're going to just do suffering because that's good stuff. That's extra noise charge. All right. Share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, verse 9, who saved us and called us, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. You see, the word of God is effective. Have you ever noticed that it wasn't you that was seeking God, it was God that was seeking you? Have you ever noticed that you were walking along one day just fine in your sin, wasn't really worried about it, walking right along, doing whatever it is that you were doing, and all of a sudden it's not okay anymore? All of a sudden, something's wrong with this thing. You see, the Word of God comes out of nowhere. It comes like, bam! And you're like, what happened? Like a ninja. Amen. Jesus Christ comes right up beside you. You're just walking along doing your sins. You're just like, hey! You're like, oh my God! <laughs> you know, 
it's funny because when, when God changed my life, I, 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 when, when God changed my life, you know, I was into drugs and all this kind of stuff. When God changed my life, he changed my life in a crazy kind of way. I know it doesn't happen like that for everybody, but he changed my life like a ninja. He came in a crazy kind of way. And, and when God came into my life, he, he robbed me of my sin. Now, I still sin every single day, and my sin has changed, and, and my sin keeps trying to get away. You know, he's good like this. But Jesus is better, you know. Uh, we, and he says, this is, we dance on the stage, we box on the stage, you know, air guitar. Uh, but all of these things help us. You see, sin is continually moving. It's moving, and it's hitting you from different angles. And what happens is, is that in someone who's just openly sinning, those sins are very obvious. Those sins are very obvious, easy to point out. That's why church people get so judgmental. Because they, they, they get rid of the open and obvious sins and they get into the hidden sins which are so much worse because they're hidden. They get into, amen, I'm telling you, they get into the hidden sins, the sins of the heart which aren't as obvious and so they look on somebody who's in drugs or uh, sexual sin or whatever it might be and they say, oh my goodness, how could you? When they're harboring it in their hearts, they're greedy, they're judgmental, they're looking at you. You see how someone can look at you and say, well, you need to be doing this, 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 and this, and the rules aren't even in the Bible? What they're actually saying, and if you do that, if I do that, what we are actually saying is, is that, well, if I was God, I would have wrote it in the Bible, and I should have been. How can you say that? How can you... The Bible says you cannot add and you cannot take away. We speak where the Bible speaks and we shut up where the Bible shuts up. We let the Holy Spirit do his thing. You see, you're walking along one day and sin has got you. It's got you in the presence and then the word comes. And however the means is, how the word gets there, whether it's through preaching or a song or a friend or, or whatever, the word comes and all of a sudden it's not okay anymore. It's effective, and it's not because of anything that you did. It's not because of anything that you've done. It's not by the will of man, nor by his flesh, but by Jesus Christ, by the calling of God. He whispers out, and he says, hey, hey, what are you doing? I didn't make you for this. I didn't make you for this. I got bigger things for you. I got bigger things for you. And we wouldn't seek in God. You see, the Word of God is effective when we are not looking for the Word of God. The book of Romans, chapter 3, says that none are righteous. No, not one. None seek Him. Jesus was seeking you. And if you're sitting in the room tonight and you've heard Him, and you say, praise God. I don't know why you came, but you came like a thief in the night. And you robbed, robbed my sin and stole my heart. You see, nobody told me that the Holy Ghost would haunt me you see we sing that song he won't relent you won't relent I always say he won't relent but it's you won't relent isn't it? you won't relent and it, that's exactly right you give your life to Jesus Christ he never relents he never gives up he continually pursues you and as a matter of fact when you're trying to sin it's very annoying very convicting Better word. And some people say, oh my, I'm just so burdened, I'm so convicted of this sin. 
I say, praise the Lord, turn around. Pray for, pray for repentance. Pray that God would grant repentance, that he would let you turn from that sin, that he would turn you loose from that grip and be scared, be ultimately afraid when you are no longer concerned with your sin or when you think that you have got to where you need to be. Because if you don't see your sin, it's because you're blind. Every one of you has sin, and I do too. The word, of a God, the word of God is effective, not by our works, but because he has come. You see, he is after you. It says at the end of the verse, it says, in, of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Don't you understand that Jesus Christ has been after you from the very beginning? If you know Jesus, if you've been born into his family, if you've come to know the power of God and the righteousness that is his, then you have been chased after from the very beginning in your sin, in the night, when you were doing the thing that you didn't think anybody saw you do, Jesus was there. He saw you. In the beginning, Jesus Christ knew who you were. He formed you. It was by the word of his mouth, and it was through him and for him. This is how you were created, and he's been after you from the very beginning. If you know Jesus, it's because he chased you down, knocked you down, and said, look at me. Praise God. He chased you down because you were running wide open. And if for the first time this morning, you're hearing the word of God come through loud and clear, and it's banging on your door. It's knocking on your door, and Jesus Christ is saying, let me in. Let me in. He's wanting to come, and he's wanting to hang out with you, not so that he can, not so that he can tell you what to do and all that kind of stuff. This is not a book of rules. It's a book. It's a love letter about a man about a God-man who came to rescue you even though you didn't deserve it. The Word of God is effective. Number three, not only is the Word of God real, I should have stretched before this morning. Not only is the Word of God real, not only is the Word of God effective, the Word of God is hope. The Word of God does not offer hope. The Word of God is hope. The Word of God is hope. Because Jesus Christ is hope. And the word of God is not even all about Jesus Christ. The word of God, when properly understood, is Jesus Christ. It is the way that he has chosen to open himself up to us. It is the way that he has chosen to, to divulge this information so that we might come to know the reality of our situation. The word of God is hope. The word of God is hope. You see, not only is it real, not only is it effective, not only is it, is it, you're not supposed to be ashamed of it, and not only does it come to you even when you may be ashamed of it, and it knocks on your door, and it reveals your sin, and it helps you to become more Christ-like, it invites you in even when you're standing outside. Not only is it effective, but it is hope. It is hope. Verse 9, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, it's effective, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. You see, he abolished death. He abolished death. And he brought life and immortality to light. You see, you were in darkness. You were in darkness. No one else offers this. Not to you. 
That's why you continually feel as if you have to put on a show because you're not understanding Jesus. And if you're not understanding Jesus, then you're probably understanding the world. And I lump everything in with the world because apart from Jesus, this is not possible. There's nobody looking at you and saying, I want you, I want you, I want you enough to die for you. Nowhere else is this possible. You see, the Word of God is real, and it's calling you to be real. The Word of God is effective, and it chases after you. Jesus Christ is coming after you. And don't you know that Jesus Christ knows about your sin? Jesus Christ knows about your sin. You see, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all turned away from Him. There are none righteous, no, not one. There are none who seek Him. We all have our problems. We all have our sins. But He's still chasing after you. He won't relent. He is after you like nobody's ever been after you, ever. He offers hope to the hopeless. Go anywhere else. Go anywhere else. Do anything else. Bunch of fluff and nothing. Go ahead. Put on the show. Go ahead. Make lots of money. Do all the right things. Say all the right words. Wear the right clothes. Drive the right car. All leads It is Jesus Christ who has said, you can't go till I'm coming. Nobody else offers this. Nobody. That Jesus Christ, who in his perfection came down out of heaven, and not just that, but while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is love. This is hope. The hope is, is that the righteous king came to die for an unrighteous people. The king came to die for the servant, and he trades places with you. We cannot, we cannot preach a bunch of rules. We cannot say, do this, 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 and this. We've got to say, look at Jesus, who is the fulfillment of the law. Look at Jesus, who will bring you in. He will bring you in to a relationship with him. He will bring sanctification. He will line you up. He will make your path straight. He will make your days long. He will make your strength great. He will make your prosperity. He will be your wonderful suffering. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Colossians 1.13 is one of my favorite verses. This text here tells us <clears throat> that the appearing and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel through the gospel Colossians 1:13. listen to what it says and it says and you who were dead in your trespasses and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God alive, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He has put this aside, 
He has put this aside. Listen to this. This is Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. You see, he's paid our debt. He's, he's punched our ticket. He's done what needed to be done. Even though we spit in his face and we said we didn't want it and we were running as fast as we possibly could, you can't outrun him. You can't outrun him. And so he chased you down. He tackled you and he said, don't run. Stop running. How many of you are running right now? How many of you are wide open? How many of you are tired of playing the game, but you can't stop playing the game? How many of you are tired of putting on the show, but you can't stop putting on the show? The way that you overcome sin is to stand in the glory and the righteousness and the excellence of Jesus Christ and be amazed and transformed forever to be transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the Son, the beloved Son who gives us sight, who gives us sight. It's through the gospel that he does this. It's through the gospel that he does this. Do you know what that means? In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says that for the joy that was set before him, that Jesus Christ endured the cross for the joy that was set before him, despising its shame. Jesus Christ endured the cross. Jesus Christ endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He despised its shame. What was the joy? What is the gospel? What does this mean? How are you transferred from the domain of darkness into the light? Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ came for you. The fourth point is this. The word of God is enough. The word of God is enough. The word of God is real. The word of God is effective. The word of God is hope. And the word of God is enough. Why is it hope through the gospel? What does that mean? Let's put these two together. It says here, let's start in, in, in 9 again. Who saved us and called us <clears throat> to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. The word of God is enough, and this is where the hope comes from. The word of God is enough because the word of God is Jesus Christ. You see, the bottom line is, is that you only die for what is most precious to you. You only die for what is most precious to you. And so what I can do is I can get up here and I can talk about the Bible and I can talk about you need to lay your life down. You need to stop doing this sin. You need to get right with God. You need to do all of these things. And I can tell you, die, die, die to yourself. Put away these things. Put away these things. But what the problem is is that it's your God. It's your idol. 
You see, we only die for that thing that's most precious to us. If you'll remember the Lord of the Rings, you remember the little guy? Precious. Precious. He would have died for the precious. Isn't that true? Does that resonate with you? You will die for that thing which is most important to you. How many of you lose your job you feel like you're about to die? How many of you, that boyfriend, girlfriend, they turn your back on you and you just feel, I can't take it anymore? The fear of, of not being able to pay your bills is just killing you. You would go to any length to do blank. The Word of God is enough because the Word of God is Jesus Christ. You see, the way, we've, we've been talking about a lot of things this morning, but how does this affect us? How does this set up inside of us to help us to come to power and love and self-control? What are you telling me, Brandon? You telling me I just need to be more real? You telling me I just need to read the Bible more? You telling me I need to do these things more? But that's the problem. We can't. We don't want to. I'm not telling you that. I'm not telling you you need to change the way that you're doing what you're doing. I'm telling you that you need to understand something. You need to understand that in order for you to be set free from your sin, you've got to love something more than that sin. You've got to love something more than that God. You've got to have something stronger inside of you that is pulling you in this direction instead of this direction. You are free to do that thing which you most desire that thing which you want the most. You'll give anything to have it. It's your precious. What is it? What is it? Is it Jesus? Will you turn away from that thing that you really want to do because of Jesus? Will you turn away from the sin, that thing that brings, brings joy right now, that brings somewhat fulfillment right now, but you know will let you down? Will you turn away from that for Jesus? If you turn away from Jesus because of that, then that's your God. You say, well, how do I do that, Brandon? I'm here to church. I read my Bible. I try. How are we set free from this body of death? It is Christ Jesus who will set you free. It is Christ Jesus. It is Christ Jesus. And the way that he does this is such an amazing way. The way that he does this is so completely and utterly unheard of. Bible says is that for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross despising its shame you see you'll only die for that thing which is most precious to you so as Jesus Christ bent over as he bent over the the stump or the wooden block so that he could take the blows what held him what held him to the block he had the power at any moment to call down a legions, legions of angels, ten legions of angels. He had the power to call down hell on earth. Get off of me. What held him? As he marched up Calvary and as he carried the cross, as he carried the cross member, what was it that helped him to endure the cross? It was you. You were his precious. A lot of people want to say, well, the joy was, was glorification of the Father. I agree. 
but it has to be paired with something because he already had the glory of the Father. He was already in eternity with, with God. He didn't have to come down here to glorify God. It was you. It was the ultimate glorification of God, which was the redemption of your souls. Jesus Christ came after you, though it cost him everything. Jesus Christ marched on because he saw your face. And Jesus Christ looked and he said, this is my precious. To the degree that you understand that you are God's precious. To the degree that you understand that God would have moved hell on earth. God would have moved mountains. And he did. He would crush the earth to get to you. He stopped at nothing. It was you. You were his precious. You were the one. It was you. He was coming after you. And if you don't think that Jesus Christ was coming after you, then you cannot be transformed. This is what the Word of God is all about. This is why it's necessary. This is why it's necessary. Because other than the Word of God, which for which portrays and proclaims the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to the salvation of souls for the glory of God. Until it goes out, people cannot be changed. People cannot be changed. You want to see yourself changed. You want to see your city changed, do you? You want to see a change? The word has to go forth. You say, what does that mean, preacher? Do I have to preach to them? This is what I'm telling Get into the Word, please. Get into the Word. Not so you can learn all the rules and live right, but so that you can see Jesus. You see, it's His glory. It's His excellence that changes and brings the promises in. It's His glory and His excellence that transforms us from within. It is the way that you will proclaim Jesus Christ is when He starts affecting your life and He starts to be your precious. How do you make Jesus your precious? How are you set free from sin? How, how, how? Through the word of God. And as you see Jesus marching up the hill, why does he preach the gospel every Sunday? Why does he always tell us about Jesus marching up the hill? Why does he always paint the pictures of, of Jesus loving you enough to die? Because when you see that you were his precious, yours when you see this God who did not need to come come purely motivated out of love for you who don't deserve it you see this gospel is real it's effective it's hope and it's enough all you need is Jesus all you need is Jesus and as you read the word of God don't read it as if it's about you this book is not about you this is not a book of rules that you can live your life life right. That is not what this is. This is a love story about a God who became man in order to save souls for the glory of God. It's all about Jesus. It was Jesus that was real. It was Jesus that was effective. It was Jesus that was a, a hope. And it is Jesus that is enough. You love Jesus, your life changes. Enough said. You love Jesus, your life changes. That's all that, need, that you need to know. But the word is necessary to show the glory of God. As we all stand to our feet. And as we bring the lights low. I want to ask you a question today. Are you absolutely resistant 
to the Word of God? Are you resistant? Do you allow it to speak into your life? Do you allow Christ, who is the Word became flesh, to pierce down through everything, all of your junk, all of your bull, all of your show? Do you let him pull back the mask and say, I see you? Do you let him see you? Are you scared? Are you ashamed? Do you turn away? Do you refuse to proclaim? Let Jesus see you so that you can see him, so that you can be changed by him. In an instant, in a flash, he will come like a thief in the night and he will rob you of your sin. He will give you life and he will give you hope. The word of God will not return void. The word of God is Jesus Christ. And if it's anything else, if it's anything else, then it's nothing. Jesus plus equals nothing. Jesus equals life, eternity, presence, peace, power, and the ability to suffer well. What I want to ask you to do this morning in response to this message, the necessity of Scripture, the Scripture is absolutely crucial for you because it shows you Jesus. See Jesus. See Jesus. See Jesus. Go and look for Him. Please go and look for Him. Go and look for Him. You will find Him there. Knock and it will be open to you. Seek and you will find. Go and meet Jesus. Go and see Jesus. If you have not been reading your Bible, if you have neglected it, if you have turned away, if you have have abandoned it, would you come this morning and repent? I would call you forward. And everybody is here. Would you openly repent? Would you? Until we get real with God, how in the world do you expect God to be real to you? Who would be so bold as to repent? It's up to you. I will be here. You've got to repent because I've neglected the Word of God. Therefore, I've neglected Jesus. Would you come? I'll promise you this. You get real with God and He will be real like you've never been before. If you will only stop hiding. Stop hiding. Please come. I will be here.
to look to him. He wants, he wants your heart. He wants all you have. This, these are not just words. This isn't just a song. These aren't just instruments. No, no, they're for him. Are you here to worship him or are you here to sing a song? This is for him. He loves you. He died for you. Sing for him. Make your way up the aisles, out to the back. Our team will meet you at the back doors, and they will get some information from you. They will pray with you, whatever you'd like to do. I'll just give you a moment to do that. If you came down and you would like some follow-up, please move out real quietly. Everybody help them to get out, whatever they need to do. If you just came to pray, that's okay, too. We want to offer that to you. This is what I would say after today's message. The Bible is necessary. The Word of God is necessary. And if you don't believe me, you don't believe me, I dare you, I dare you to get into the Word of God and read past your comfort point because what people often say is, is that I don't get it, I can't read the Bible and what I tell them is, is that I trust God that if you will read until you, until you get past that point of not wanting to read, if you'll just read then what will happen is if you will open your heart the Bible will start to read you. It will be no, no longer you reading the Bible but the Bible will read you. And if you've never experienced that, then you need it. You need to see Jesus. Get into the Word. Get into the Word. And it's not about how much, but it's about quality. Get into the Word. Listen to some music while you read. It doesn't matter. Get into the Word because Jesus is the Word. And He loves us. And she's right. It's not about anything but Jesus Christ. Get into the Word. Get into the Word. Let's make a difference. As the Word comes out of you, people will transform around you. Let's grow this thing. You ready to grow this thing? Come on, y'all ready? You ready to make a difference in Landry? I believe in you. I believe in you because God believes in you. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for my family. I thank you so much for everything that you have done here today. I thank you. 
Oh, God, I just thank you because you have shown up, you have shown out. Please continue to move. Please be in everything that we do. Please be in everything that we do. I pray it in Jesus' name. One other thing before you go. I've just been informed that next Saturday is the upper track meet here at Landrum. We didn't know that. We just found that out. So it will be the 12th. Is that okay? The next Saturday? Okay, the 12th. So all of you, we said next Saturday, mission here, 9? Huh? 11. My bad. Huh? Yeah. 9 o'clock Saturday morning, if you love Jesus. Okay? Ha-ha, <laughs> yeah. Now you better be here. <laughs> so the 11th, is that right? The 11th. All right. So the 11th, please be here at 9 o'clock. Let us show you what God is doing here at the well. We need help, okay? Please, the 11th at 9 o'clock. Love you guys. Have a great day. Woo! We were made to be courageous. We were made to lead the way. We could be the gentle.